0: Before we get started, this episode covers gambling and gambling addiction. If you or someone you know is struggling with a gambling problem, you can call the National Problem Gambling Helpline at 1-800-522-4700. Call, text, or chat services are available 24-7 and are fully confidential. Again, the number is 1-800-522-4700. You can also go to ncpgambling.org to chat with a helpline specialist. Thanks for listening.
1: For years, California's non-gaming tribes have been left in the dust. Wealthy tribes with big casinos make billions, while small tribes struggle in poverty. Prop 27 is a game-changer.
2: Seen this ad? It's not paid for by California tribes. It's paid for by the out of state gambling corporations that wrote Prop 27.
1: 27 taxes and regulates online sports betting to fund permanent solutions to homelessness while helping every tribe in California.
3: California tribes overwhelmingly oppose Proposition 27. Only a few tribes support 27,
0: while over 50 tribes oppose Prop 27. California's gambling initiatives are now the most expensive ballot campaign in U.S. history, at $400 million and growing. The two initiatives, Proposition 26 and Proposition 27, would make sports betting legal in person and online. If passed, they would make California the second-largest sports gambling market in the world, second only to the U.K. The U.S. has a patchwork of legalities for online gambling and sports betting. The number of states allowing online gambling in one form or another is expanding rapidly. But online gambling is already happening with or without laws on the books. One place where that's clear is the online streaming platform Twitch. Twitch is popular for live streaming video games. Recently, gambling content has gotten a lot of attention, so much so that the site responded with a partial gambling ban. We'll get to that later in the program. After the break, we head to California and examine its gambling initiatives. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. Remember to connect with us on Twitter. You can tweet us at 1A. Let's jump into the conversation. Joining us is Joe Garofoli. He's a senior political writer at the San Francisco Chronicle. He's also the host of the podcast, It's All Political, on Fifth and Mission. Joe, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Also with us is Daniel Wallach. He's a sports betting attorney and founder of Wallach Legal. That's a firm devoted to the field of sports wagering and gaming law. He's also the co-founder of the Sports Wagering and Integrity Program at the University of New Hampshire Law School. Daniel, thanks for your time today. Oh, thanks for inviting me on to talk about these two very important subjects. And Dr. Timothy Fong joins us. He's a clinical professor of psychiatry at the Jane and Terry Semel Institute for Neuroscience and Human Behavior at UCLA. He's also the co-director of the UCLA Gambling Studies Program. Dr. Fong, welcome to 1A.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Joe, let's just start with the two initiatives and what they are.
3: What are Californians considering with Proposition 26? Proposition 26 would only allow gambling at one of California's 66 tribal casinos or four horse race tracks uh, across the state. Um, And uh, if this were passed, our independent state uh, legislative analyst office said it could mean uh, revenues uh, based off the bets made, reaching possibly tens of millions of dollars annually.
0: And what about Proposition 27? What are voters considering with that one?
3: Proposition Twenty Seven would—you uh, could basically uh, gamble anywhere as long as you have a mobile connection. Um, you didn't, wouldn't have to go into a tribe, uh, a tribal uh, casino, or a horse racetrack. Uh, the the independent auto, uh, analysts said that this could be worth hundreds of millions of dollars annually um, for uh, in state revenues. And Prop Twenty Seven says they will give about eighty-five percent of the uh, of uh, the online bet tax uh, towards homelessness. And uh, and uh, affordable housing programs in California.
0: So, who's backing Prop Twenty Six and who's backing Prop Twenty Seven?
3: Yeah, and I also wanted to update you. I looked on this, uh, the uh, our, our uh, fundraising site this morning. It's now up to five hundred and twenty-five million spent wow. between both uh, propositions, and that's twice as much as the, our previous record here in California. The, Prop Twenty Six is supported mostly by uh, uh, Native tribes here in California. They this is uh, the proposition that would keep uh, this this uh, gambling industry, which could be this is the mother load, in, in uh, as is alluded to uh, nationally and internationally. Three to four billion dollars is the est- are the estimates for how much this could be worth. This would keep it on the uh, Native tribe uh, Native tribal lands or in or in, uh, or in horse race tracks. And so most of the money is coming from native tribes.
0: And for Prop 27, who's backing that one?
3: Prop 27 is is, uh, is funded almost exclusively by commercial operators like FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, this, they would, uh, If they were to uh, be allowed in there, uh, to be allowed to uh, conduct this sort of game in California, uh, only major gaming companies essentially could apply. You'd have to pay a $100, $100 million licensing fee to do business in the state, as well as already be licensed in 10 other states and be operating in five states and running 12 casinos. So this one is tailored more towards, uh, towards big commercial gaming companies. Daniel, legally, could both propositions be instated? Absolutely. Um, under
1: the California Constitution, um, only if there were conflicting ballot initiatives that both pass, the one that garners the most affirmative votes is the only one that's enacted into law. But these two initiatives, while they regulate different types of sports betting, are not in conflict. Um, Under under the case law, it has to either be presented as an all or nothing, meaning you can only have one or the other, and and these two aren't, or they have to basically regulate the same comprehensive regulatory scheme on the same subject matter. But here, The Tribal Initiative only regulates sports betting on tribal land and at four state-licensed commercial horse racetracks. The Online Sports Betting Initiative regulates sports betting everywhere else, which is basically over the internet, and uh, even though they are not exactly the same type of sports betting, they don't conflict with each other in that they regulate the same exact thing, and I think the courts are going to recognize that they are not in conflict. In fact, Proposition 26 doesn't even address the issue of internet sports betting. It makes no reference to Prop 27. And then importantly, and very crucially, Proposition 27 explicitly states that it is complementary and supplementary to Prop 26 and not in conflict with the tribal proposition. The conflict that would have occurred would have been if the other tribal initiative for online sports betting had garnered enough signatures. But that initiative didn't get enough uh, signatures in time by the deadline, and, and they will go on the ballot potentially in 2024. So we don't have a constitutional conflict here. They can both pass. And both be enacted into law.
0: Dr. Fong, as someone who studies gambling addiction and, and problem gambling, what are your thoughts on these initiatives?
2: Well, number one, gambling disorder, gambling addiction remains to be a significant problem in California. 16 years ago, we did a prevalence survey that found about 3.7% of Californians had a lifetime history of gambling addiction, another about 1% had active gambling disorder. That was 16 years ago before the rapid expansion of gambling. Uh, My concerns are certainly that if you expand gambling without protections for prevention of gambling disorder, you can actually create more harm in the form of addiction, problem gambling, and all the other unintended health consequences.
0: Joe, if these propositions are successful, Californians are also being promised more money for things like programs that address homelessness or gambling addiction. Tell us more about that.
3: The sweetener in Prop 27 is is that, uh, as alluded to earlier, that eighty-five percent of the the the, uh, the tax on bets would go to homeless services and affordable housing, which is of course a, a top issue, if not the top issue, in California. But <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, I reported that you know many of the homeless service organizations are either opposed to this uh, ballot measure or are neutral on it. Uh, one of the reasons is that they don't. They don't, they're not confident that the money will, will actually materialize in that form. You know, years ago in California, we were promised that uh, a lot of money from the state lottery for, would go to education. It hasn't uh, uh, delivered what promised. One uh, homeless, uh, long-time homeless service uh, uh, executive told me, quote, if these corporations wanted to be helping homeless people and mentally ill people, they could use their foundations, which they all frickin' have.
0: Hmm. Daniel, give us a better idea of what online gambling and sports betting laws look like in the U.S. right now, just briefly.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, 35 states have legalized sports betting in the United States. The vast majority of the states allow both in-person sports wagering and online sports wagering. And if uh, California were to legalize only in-person sports betting, it would really be the exception to the rule. Ninety percent of the wagers made in states that allow both. Are conducted over, uh, you know, mobile devices over the internet. So that's why the, um, uh, the revenue generation and the tax potential is much greater with online sports betting, five hundred million annually, versus tens of millions of dollars of annually for retail sports betting. Most states that have online sports betting laws uh, have similar tax rates, high single digits to low teens. Prop Twenty Seven is sort of right in the middle there, at ten percent and uh, in most states there are fewer operators operating online sports betting in california critically under prop 27 it's not just the out-of-state gaming companies that operate but they have to go through tribes in order to operate online sports betting in florida any company that wishes to participate has to have a tribal partner so every one of the 66 indian tribes in california are going to benefit directly from online sports betting by either operating it directly themselves with B2B partners or giving, you know, market access directly to the companies like DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM or Caesars
0: for a very significant, you know, share of the revenue. Even if it's not legal in their state, what's stopping people from just going online and gambling? nothing and that's
1: the problem that's why you want to have legal online gambling because in any state you can access illegal offshore you know websites like bovada and just you know any number of websites are accessible to californians right now and you want to be able to migrate that at illegal activity and channel it into a legal regulated marketplace where there are consumer protections so it's not going away it's just a question of Uh, not making people criminals by
0: betting offshore. You want to be able to provide them with consumer protections. Dr. Fong, what are the questions you think voters need to consider when looking at legalizing gambling, especially online?
2: Well, number one, we have to protect the most vulnerable populations from gambling disorder. That includes adolescent and young people under 21, People with active mental health conditions, depression, active substance use disorder, they're more vulnerable to gambling disorder. And lastly, minority uh, communities, such as Asian American communities, certain African American communities, Latino, Latinx, they're also at risk for developing gambling disorder. And I think, number one, one of the things you think about here in California, we have to learn from the lessons from cannabis. Cannabis was regulated in 2016 with the idea of destroying and lowering unregulated uh, cannabis growth. That didn't happen. It was meant with the idea that we would increase tax revenue. That didn't happen nearly as much. So we have to basically think about what will look California will look like five or six years from now by expanding gambling, but not getting rid of unregulated gambling or putting into check uh, what happens when we don't bring in as much revenue as we thought. Joe, how are voters responding to these propositions? Uh, not
3: well uh, the uh, there 's been some public polling, and uh, in terms of prop twenty seven only thirty four percent of likely voters would support it fifty four percent would oppose it there 's also a, a study by a uh, an independent gaming firm that said the odds of one or both of these measures passing is less than fifty percent it's it's not looking good and and you know the ultimate sign you you play that uh, montage of ads at the at the start of the show by the way which is what California's uh, television programs radio has been and online has been like for the last uh, few months uh, the pro 27 side has vast, uh, vastly scaled back their television advertising and that's usually a sign in politics that uh, you know there it's not if not a white flag the white flag is being prepared to be hoisted
0: if neither proposition is successful, what does that mean for California moving forward, Joe?
3: Oh, that means we're going to see it on the ballot again. Uh, I think Daniel alluded to it earlier, um, You know, which is one of the duplicitous things I got to say about this. You know, the, the, Some of the, many of the tribes are saying, oh, this would put a gambling device in every person's hand. It would be so dangerous for our kids. But yet some of those same tribes have already invested millions towards this 2024 ballot measure that would legalize online gaming in California. The difference is would be it would be controlled by the native tribes, not by the uh, outside commercial gaming companies. But this, th- this isn't going away. This market is too big uh, for, 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 uh, for people to ignore.
0: Dr. Fong, we're talking about two different types of gambling, gambling in person and then gambling online. What are the psychological differences between those two experiences?
2: Well, here's what we know, and there's a lot we don't know. Number one, when you think about mobile sports betting or internet casino, 24-hour access, no regulations in terms of no one's watching your shoulders, no real enforcement, no traditional responsible gambling practices where someone could actually work with you if you're having distress about gambling. One of the things that we know about the field of addictions, is when you introduce things with new, quote, potency and concentration, Think like crack cocaine or vaping or wax forms of cannabis. We know what follows are harms that we never intended. Same thing with Oxycontin and other forms of of opiates, including fentanyl. So one of the analogies has been, is mobile bedding akin to those types of addictions where it's now a faster, more rapid, more intense experience? Now, I think some of that's true, but some of it clearly needs to be studied more. As an example, new forms of sports betting, in-game betting, single-game parlays, these really did not exist four or five years ago, and we haven't quite understood how much risk do they actually convey to the idea of gambling addiction.
0: Well, more and more states are moving toward or considering legalizing sports betting or gambling online. Daniel, why might states want to move towards legalization? And we're seeing the response right now in California to both of these propositions, and people don't seem on board. I mean, several reasons. Uh,
1: Surrounding states are legalizing sports betting, and uh, a state that fails to act is just going to drive their citizenry to neighboring states or worse to the illegal offshore market. And as we discussed earlier in the program, um, Californians have access to a panoply of illegal sports betting websites where they can place wagers on sporting events. So you want to be able to provide um, your citizens with um, licensed gambling companies, suitable companies that provide robust consumer protections. And in a regulated sports wagering environment, customers have recourse and they have redress. In the offshore market, there's, there's, there's zero consumer protection. So I think the states want to one capture the tax revenues, the, the, the tremendous tax revenues associated with sports betting, drive employment, drive tourism, uh, and help out the in-state industries surrounding gambling, hospitality, and tourism. And most importantly, Uh, Keep the money away from the illegal offshore market. And having legal, responsible online gambling is also a good way, an effective way, to track wagering activity for purposes of identifying compulsive problem gamblers, as well as helping to better safeguard the integrity of the underlying sporting event because the online wager provides a digital fingerprint and you can you can track the wagers in real time in a way that uh, you can't quite do the same way with retail. And there's no opportunity to to accomplish that when everything is offshore in
0: an illegal market. Daniel, are any of these sites doing what you just described now? Are they taking the time to track this kind of betting to actually respond if they think someone is dealing with disordered practices. Of course it's happening. It's mandated
1: under state laws. Uh, the state statutes and state gaming regulations mandate uh, that these companies uh, provide uh, you know, um, you know, um, m- problem gambling messaging on their websites. It's in the company's interests to identify problem gamblers. They don't wanna make their money on, on, uh, on the backs of compulsive gamblers. The recreational gamblers uh, are, are, are the target audience here, not those who have addictions. So uh, for a sustainable industry in the long run, these companies have the self-motivation to make sure that they that they spot problems in real time or at the earliest possible time and the resources are available to, to help these, to help problem gamblers. Not having a legal sports betting environment is basically sticking your head in the ground and ignoring the problem that exists in the tremendous illegal offshore market. So the companies are required by states to do this type of activity, and it's in their own
0: it's in their own self interest to do so as well. Joe, what will you be watching for next in California?
3: Well, no, ballots come out, and the next, uh, we, we get every uh, voter gets mailed a ballot here. And so those are going to be arriving the next couple of weeks, and we're going to see which way this is going to go. I, I, if, that, if Prop 27's advertising doesn't come back, that means that that, uh, that measure is doomed. That's Joe Garofoli. He's a senior
0: political writer at the San Francisco Chronicle. Joe, thanks so much for your time today.
3: Thank you so much.
0: Coming up, we take a look at the crackdown on gambling content on the popular live streaming site Twitch. Back with more from you and our guests in just a moment. Well, let's move on to the second part of our conversation on online gambling, which takes place on Twitch. You may not be aware of the live streaming platform, but it brings in 30 million viewers daily. It's mostly been used for video game broadcasts, but online gambling is becoming increasingly popular. Streamers play casino games like roulette or blackjack, or they click endlessly while a digital game of slots rolls on. Sometimes they win big.
4: Yes! Oh, yes! Oh,
3: my God! What is is that? Four hundred K yeah! What
0: And sometimes not so much.
2: Look how many losses in a row.
3: That's unreal. That's how you lose a hundred thousand dollars in one setting.
4: I'm gonna go throw up now. it right back.
0: Here to talk us through it is Cecilia D'Anastasio, a reporter covering the games industry for Bloomberg News. Cecilia, welcome back. Thank you for having me. And we're still here with Daniel Wallach. He's a sports betting attorney and founder of Wallach Legal. And Dr. Timothy Fong, he's a clima- clinical professor of psychiatry at the Jane and Terry Simmel Institute for Neuroscience and Human Behavior at UCLA. Cecilia, for people who aren't familiar with Twitch, just explain how the platform works.
4: Sure. So Twitch is Amazon's live streaming website. It's the most popular website to watch people on live video and um, people who are viewers or fans are enabled to comment on the live streams through a chat, which creates this kind of parasocial dynamic where the viewer feels they are interacting with the streamer. Um, Twitch is popular for gamers live streaming themselves playing Fortnite or Minecraft, video games that are popular with kids, uh, competitive games like esports. But over the last several years, Twitch has really expanded into becoming just this default live streaming platform where people will just sort of talk, uh, you know, everything from doing their makeup to discussing the news. And are these
0: streamers playing with real money? Are they playing with cryptocurrency or maybe a mix of both?
4: Yeah, so a lot of streamers are gambling with cryptocurrency on Twitch, and those live streams can attract 70,000 to 100,000 viewers a session. Um, Gamers who have earned fandoms through gaming have pivoted to playing slots, roulette, blackjack on crypto websites like stake.com, where um, they're gambling with Ethereum or Bitcoin.
0: Daniel, what's the legality of gambling with cryptocurrency? Well, you know, cryptocurrency being a form of currency
1: uh, is potentially, uh, depending on how state, you know, in in states that licensed slot machines and online, uh, you know, gaming. Uh, I'm, yet, I'm not yet aware of any state that permits the use of cryptocurrency to fund accounts. It's coming soon, and certain states around sports betting are going to be allowing cryptocurrency. But all these sites that are being promoted on Twitch, for the you know, by and large, the ones that are causing the biggest problems, are unlicensed, unregulated. You know, Online casino sites, the activity in and of itself is illegal, whether you use cryptocurrency or real money. And the real risk for Amazon and Twitch is promoting an illegal uh, you know, gaming site. And that could raise the specter of criminal culpability, aiding and abetting laws under federal law, as well as violating state statutes. So for, for Amazon and Twitch, it's a form of you know, l- mitigating or, or lessening their legal risk. Uh, But
0: this is is a long time overdue. Well, last week, Twitch announced on Twitter that they would be updating their policy on gambling, saying, quote, We'll be making a policy update on October 18th to prohibit streaming of gambling sites that include slots, roulette, or dice games that aren't licensed either in the U.S. or other jurisdictions that provide sufficient consumer protection, end quote. They went on to say that the site will continue to allow sports betting, fantasy sports, and poker. Cecilia, people are using VPNs to gain access to unregulated sites. What are the legal issues with streaming or promoting unregulated gambling sites in the U.S.?
4: Yeah, it's a complicated question because lawyers told me that it works in kind of an opt-in state-by-state basis, and no states in the U.S. right now have legalized gambling with cryptocurrency. A lot of the websites um, where streamers are not just gambling with cryptocurrency but are receiving sponsorships are not sites that u.s consumers are permitted to use and these sites do have the burden of doing what they can to prevent people from easily accessing the website who are not allowed to but it is very easy using a VPN and cryptocurrency to still log on and lose a lot of money very quickly Uh, what led to this gambling crackdown
0: on twitch cecilia
4: Yeah, one potentially catalyzing event was that several top live streamers have been begging Twitch to um, act on these illegal crypto gambling websites for about a year now. And in the weeks leading up to Twitch actually announcing the October 18th ban on these websites, top streamers threatened to boycott the platform. One aspect of that was that a well-known gaming personality um, allegedly borrowed hundreds of thousands of dollars to um help with his gambling addiction from other streamers, and that became a huge controversy.
0: Daniel, if we look at online gambling sites and sports betting sites, how much of a responsibility do they have to make sure the people on their site are there legally and and really, is this a place where in in some ways technology hasn't kept pace? with what's happening in the gambling market?
1: Well, I mean, in the states that allow online sports betting and online casino, um, the companies or the operators have very strict protocols for uh, ascertaining that the uh, patron or customer is above the legal age to gamble. You've got to, have, you've got to show identification. They go through a, a, a very you know, stringent uh, customer identification process to ensure that only overage or, or of age people are gambling on their sites. And I have not heard of any kind of anecdotal evidence or any widespread underage gambling occurring on legal, regulated websites. This stuff happens in the illegal markets, in the unregulated markets, on Twitch. It doesn't happen in New Jersey, Delaware, Nevada, which uh, allow online uh, casino gaming or online poker. That's an argument for the regulated transparent market where you have operators who are given licenses to, uh, to ensure that this type of activity does not go on. They've got to check and, and, and determine that the people who are, who are gambling are above age and, who, and, and that they're who they say they are. They go through very stringent identification verification to make sure that, these, that this type of
0: problem doesn't exist on their sites. It's the offshore market that's the problem. Brandon tweets, there have been cases of these types of sites tilting odds in the streamers' favor, making it seem easier to win. This feels extremely illegal. Could the streamers be committing fraud? Cecilia, what do you think? For your reporting, what have you found?
4: I think that's a great question a lot of people are asking. Part of the problem here is that these sites are not registered in the United States, and so they don't go through the same stringent legal processes that um, legal sites do go on. Uh, it's it's definitely a fair question to ask whether the odds are being fixed in one way or another. I'm sure that all of these sites would deny that allegation. Um, at the same time, there are questions of whether the streamers are gambling with house money. And that's also a question that's up in the air. Streamers are placing single bets for you know tens of thousands of dollars at a time. And losing, you know, several million dollars a month on gambling. So people have asked, where is that money coming from?
0: Cecilia, how much of what people see are streamers playing with house money for promotional purposes? You said there are some questions about whether or not they're they're playing with house money.
4: That's completely uncorroborated, however. Um, people are asking these questions just based on the sheer amount of money that's being invested and lost Um on these unregulated websites. But there have been no confirmed reports to my knowledge that streamers are playing with house money.
0: You spoke with some people who did fall into problem gambling habits after watching some Twitch streamers. You mentioned one person earlier. What other types of stories have you heard?
4: Gambling and gaming do have some similarities. For example, a lot of top video games these days have incorporated a mechanic called loot boxes where you are able to buy into the chance to win items that might be interesting to you in a video game um, that are randomized. So you don't actually know what you're getting. And um, in the past, you know, there's this game called Counter-Strike that's very, very popular. It's a shooter. And what people would do is they would actually gamble, not with money, but with items in Counter-Strike with what are called skins. And there would be these websites set up that would, you know, millions of dollars ran through of gamers, you know, putting in $300 and maybe getting this knife that they thought was very interesting or putting in, you know, their $300 knife and losing all of that and getting a very um, not interesting uh, costume for their gun, essentially. One story I heard was that there were uh, there was one website in particular where people did do gambling with Counter-Strike skins that turned into a cryptocurrency gambling website. One person I spoke to kind of as a child was doing this uh, Counter-Strike skin gambling. And then as he grew up, moved straight into crypto gambling. Dr. Fong, as the online
0: gambling industry grows, what are some key issues you'll be watching?
2: Uh, Number one, uh, we've normalized and glamorized gambling. And I really like us to refocus and say gambling, again, is part of the human condition. It's not going away. How do we focus on health and wellness? How do we focus on incorporating healthy risk-taking in one's lives? They're hearing stories after stories. And we see this dozens of times with our patients. And they come in, they're drawn in because of the sheer access, the pleasure, the excitement, the reward Uh, but ultimately they feel empty, ultimately they feel disconnected. So the antidote for all addictive disorders is connection and skill and self-care. So those are the things we really want to focus on. That's Dr.
0: Timothy Fong. He's a clinical professor of psychiatry and the co-director of the UCLA Gambling Studies Program. Also with us today, Daniel Wallach, a gaming law and sports betting attorney, and Cecilia Donastasio, a reporter covering the games industry for Bloomberg News. Dr. Fong, Daniel, Cecilia, thanks for speaking with us. Today's producer was Michelle Harvin. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed it by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. This is 1A.